0: Whether we're realizing that opportunity, you do sense that there's a real opportunity if we could get the right set of resources and the right political will and some level of continuity, that municipal governments could have a pretty significant impact on sustainability.
1: Definitely. I think that in the right situation, things can move forward at the local level a lot faster than at any other
2: level of government. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Hancock and Vernice Miller Travis.
0: Welcome back to Infinite Earth Radio, where we talk with thought leaders and change agents who are transforming the future by building smarter, more sustainable, and more equitable communities. This is your host Mike Hancock, and joining me is my co-host Vernice Miller Travis. Today we are continuing our series of interviews with Civic Spark Fellows. Our guests today work together on a project with the Southern California Association of Governments to support the development of sustainable community practices and joint work programs, including transit projects for the Sustainable Communities Strategy. Bernice, do you want to start introducing our guests?
3: First is Mackenzie Bolger, who is a 2015-2016 Civic Spark AmeriCorps fellow located in Los Angeles, California. In 2015, Mackenzie graduated with honors from Arizona State University School of Social Transformation with a bachelor's degree in Justice Studies and a minor in Sustainability. She's committed to transforming Southern California into a socially just, environmentally healthy, and economically vital region that will model sustainability for the rest of the world. Welcome, Mackenzie.
4: Thank you.
0: Mike Kloa is from San Diego and is a graduate of the University of California, San Diego, with a degree in environmental policy and a minor in urban planning. He's a former NCAA athlete in cross-country track. Mike developed a great interest for sustainable urban planning and has also worked in local government for over a year. He hopes to learn more about the sustainability needs of Los Angeles and to actively be a part of addressing those needs throughout the region. Thank you.
3: A Southern California native, Bree Swenson, graduated from Washington University in St. Louis with a major in anthropology and a focus on global health and environment. She has worked on distributed energy policy, energy efficiency, and land use policy in St. Louis, Washington, D.C., and Los Angeles, and hopes to use her passion for environmental sustainability to continue the work in her hometown.
0: Yeah, thanks. Thanks, y'all, for being here today.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having us.
0: So um, I'm just going to throw out the question. I'm going to let you guys decide how you're going to approach answering this. You've all been working on the same project. So could you explain to our audience what that project's all about?
1: So we are working on basically a sustainability indicators project. We're tracking 25 different sustainability indicators across the 191 cities and six counties in the Skag region within Southern California.
0: So approximately for people who aren't Californians, about how many people are we looking at?
1: 18.5 million people.
0: Right. So it's Bigger than most other states in the country.
1: It's almost half of the state of California in population. Yeah.
0: yeah. Wow. Yeah, fantastic. Wow. And so you're looking at 25 uh, sustainability indicators, and mm-hmm. have you created a baseline, or give us a little more detail about the project, what you're trying to accomplish, and, and how you're structuring the project.
5: Well, the indicators, they span pretty much every topic you can imagine in sustainability. We're looking at water conservation, renewable energy, climate action planning, greenhouse gas uh, inventories. Basically, what we are trying to do is look at all the cities in the region and assess how well their policies and their actual performance on the ground is doing for all these various indicators.
1: So basically what we've done is like done some research and tried to figure out how best what cities should be doing in regards to these various topics and then research what the cities are actually doing. And we, we've written reports for each one so that, um, you know, we can keep track of, like, what what we want cities to be doing in these different categories.
0: This seems like a pretty massive project. Is it just the three of you working on it, or how many folks are involved?
4: It's been ongoing for the past five years. Our manager here at SCAG has been sort of measuring progress and expanding the, the research over that time. Last year, SCAG had Civic Spark Fellows also, and so they they started working on this, and we're continuing their work. We're definitely not going to complete it in the time that we're here. We're setting it up to transition for the, the people who will work on it next, but it's a pretty small number of people to be working on the project, compa- uh, considering the size of the workload. We're studying 191 cities in the six counties, and so that amount of work across 25 indicators
5: has taken a considerable amount of time.
0: And so will you be issuing a report for each city or, or is it just one aggregate report?
5: Last year, the fellows, well, the SCAG sustainability department to fill up this chart that has all the cities and all the indicators on it. And basically last year, the fellows created ranks for each city on each topic And so what we did this year was we kind of refined those rankings for policy and performance. And so we went through all the cities, their documents, anything publicly available to assess. Yeah, based on certain metrics and uh, ranking systems that we discussed and determined working with our uh, supervisors in the sustainability department.
1: Yeah. So as Mike mentioned, we have that chart. But we also are working with the mapping team here at SCAG to develop an interactive web-based map where anyone from the public will be able to click on various different indicators and see where their city falls as far as that indicator goes.
4: So this is McKenzie. One of the things we're hoping with this project is that it'll become a tool for local governments to use in order to look at their progress in these sustainability indicators and, and look at other cities in the region and see what those cities are doing planning-wise so that they can implement similar practices in their own cities and move towards sustainability in their communities.
0: So the output of the project ultimately will be some kind of interactive mapping tool, digital tool, or is there a, a report that you're anticipating? When the project is complete, how will people access the information?
1: Mostly it will be the map,
0: yes. We
5: also, for more more or less internal purposes, we also created reports for each of the indicators discussing the ranking system, a little about the indicator, uh, best practices, ideal and in-term metrics that like we can use now, metrics that we can use later. And right now, those are just reports for internal use, possibly for the fellows next year to examine, and and definitely for SCAG staff to uh, look over.
1: This is Bree. One more outward-facing thing that we're working on are fact sheets, and those fact sheets will be based pretty much by topic, and those will also have best practices, tools that cities can use to further sustainability in that category.
4: Yeah, as Bree said, our focus for the fact sheets is mostly topical. Creating a report that included all cities in the region would be quite hefty, I guess. We're focusing more on the topics and then having the cities be able to come and use the understanding of those topics to develop their own programs. So that that would be the focus of any sort of future
1: report probably. Mm-hmm.
3: So, tell us about the impact you're hoping to see from the work that you're doing as Civic Spark Fellows.
1: I think that what I'm hoping is that, especially this map, having laying out where cities are as far as all these different sustainability practices go will help people figure out where the gaps are, what gaps need to be filled if a city is just has no sort of active transportation programs or policies. You know, someone from SCAG or a consultant or the city themselves might not realize it and we'll be able to go in and fix that problem.
5: We also kind of hope that the work that we do and the tools that we can deliver at the end of the service year, we're hoping it can also encourage uh, collaboration among cities. So if a city sees... You know, another city of similar size and population and medium income or something, they can look at that city and say, oh, they're doing this really well. How, I wonder how they were able to achieve this rank in, in this particular indicator. And maybe we should reach out to them and try to do it ourselves. And um, so, yeah, it's definitely, we, we definitely want to produce collaborative materials as well.
0: Is there some sense that this might also create some healthy competition between the municipalities?
1: We are trying to avoid using the word like rank or like scoring cities against each other. Yeah. We're not giving any numerical kind of scores. The way we're we're doing it is by color. So like white, light green, medium green, and dark green would be how far along you are on the topic. But that's how we want to phrase it. Like where are you at right now? Not why aren't you as good as this other city?
4: Yeah, we're, we're hoping to foster collaboration more than competition in the region, I think.
3: Excellent. So could you share with our audience the moment that you each decided you wanted to become a Civic Spark fellow?
4: This is Mackenzie. I actually just sort of found out about Civic Spark pretty late into the application process. And so I was quite pleased that there would be something regarding climate change that was focused on helping or getting recent graduates into you know into climate change and into the workforce. And so I didn't really know about Civic Spark. It's only the second year of the program, but I was really excited to see the opportunity. So right when I found out about it, pretty soon after I I applied and went through the interview process. And so it wasn't there wasn't like a, a defining moment really, but I, I was quite excited to to hear about the opportunity and um, I definitely
1: pursued it quite quickly after that. (laughs) Yeah, this is Brie. I I definitely found out about it a little earlier than Mackenzie did, but it was just online, and I was also just excited to see something that would get me into policy work right away rather than a lot of these entry-level jobs that are much more administrative and don't really get you thinking about the subjects that I wanted to be thinking about. So right when I found it, I was really excited about it and was hoping that I would be able to... uh, I guess be chosen.
5: <laughs> I've found out about it because I I had been wor- last summer. I'd been working up in San Francisco for an e waste recycling company, but I didn't feel like I was getting the type of experience that I wanted, that I needed to uh, further my professional career in the environmental field. So I came across it, and it seemed to align a lot more with the project management environmental policy research type work that I've been uh, interested in. So, yeah, it was definitely an easy decision to apply and, and, uh, and interview and, and all that. I'm definitely thankful that I found it.
0: How do you feel now about the ability to really have significant impact on issues of sustainability working at the municipal level? Do you feel that there's a great opportunity there? And is that different than before you undertook this program?
1: Well, th- this is brilliant. One thing I would say is we're not at the municipal level. We're very much at the regional level. So I think it's that may change how we feel about it a little bit. And also a side note that Civic Spark mostly does place people at the municipal level. We're kind of in a unique situation as far as Civic Spark Fellows go, being at such a large organization.
0: I understand you're working at the regional level, but do you have some sense of the ability of folks at the municipal level to actually have a significant impact on issues of climate change and sustainability?
5: I think, personally, it, it kind of depends on, well, who's in the government is definitely... I've, I've worked in local governments down in San Diego, and you can kind of tell the difference between an office that just kind of does the day-to-day stuff and is not as motivated, and then even just us doing research of all these cities, we've been able to see which ones really are on board with all of this and really have that mindset. And there are
1: definitely some trends you can find, like cities that have the money and cities that have the political will are the ones that are actually doing things. But you need both of those factors, and they're pretty rare even in Southern California. Exactly. I think what's challenging
4: is lack of funding within smaller cities, but I think what's really good currently is that there are a lot of grant opportunities for cities seeking to implement sustainable projects. There's a lot of Greenhouse Gas Reduction Fund money available currently. We've been working with SCAG providing technical assistance for cities and developers with the Affordable Housing and Sustainable Communities grant that's administered through the Strategic Growth Council in California. So there are opportunities for local governments to make changes in how we do things in the area. But I, I do think also it is, you know, with, with city council members changing every election cycle, I think another challenge is that what a city might have been doing with a really progressive city council can can easily change. Mm. And so I think what we've seen is is that things that may have been adopted or implemented, you know, four or five years ago would probably not, in some cases, be adopted in the same city. And so that change, while, you know, democracy is a good thing, definitely, Mm -hmm. it does make tracking progress and having a a sure and set course for a city being a little bit hard
1: to determine. Yeah, i have definitely seen cities that have, like, climate action plans that looked really good and then, you know, things changed or city council members changed or whatever, and they haven't done anything with that plan since.
4: Right. So I think there's definitely a great capacity. I think there's definitely a lot of really passionate Involved people working in local government. We've been to a lot of conferences and forums, and we definitely see that energy. But I, I do think that there, are, you know, there are some challenges with funding and the direction that you know the city in general wants to go. That can make it more challenging than say a private um, organization with, you know, a set plan that they have and
1: they can they can pursue. Um, yeah. And that's one of the exciting things about Civic Spark is that we're filling one of those issues which is like the lack of people resources human resources mm-hmm. unfortunately we can't apply for grants as Civic Spark fellows so we can't get that money for them right um,
0: <laughs> gotcha so uh, yeah i guess i was trying to get at was at least whether we're realizing that opportunity you do sense that there's a real opportunity if we could get the right set of resources and the right political will and some level of continuity yeah. that yeah. municipal governments could have a pretty significant impact on sustainability.
1: Definitely. I think that in the right situation, things can move forward at the local level a lot faster than at any other level of government.
5: And a lot of it, I think, also has to do with the public and the culture. And I think one of the, like the most important things that a municipal government can do is doing the proper outreach to the community and getting everyone on board in the community. Because if the voters are for it, then things look like they move a lot faster. And I think, yeah, that's, it's definitely a very, very important role that the that municipal governments need to realize that they have is like leading a community in a certain direction.
0: So I'm going to ask each of you, I'm going to, I'll start with Bree. What's next for you in your, in your career? And how has the Civic Spark experience impacted that in some way?
1: So, I guess the short answer is that I don't know. I'm applying to jobs right now. Um, but I guess how civics Spark has impacted how I'm thinking about moving forward, partially, it's Southern, the SCAG is a planning agency, and I had never had any real experience in planning. And so it's gotten me definitely more interested in the land use side of sustainability, the transportation side of sustainability. So I'm actually kind of widening my search for what kind of sustainability work I want to do post-Civic Spark. And I was introduced to those topics through my work at Civic, at, uh, at SCAG.
0: Great. Mackenzie?
1: Yeah, so
4: I'm in a similar situation with free. <laughs> I'm looking for employment right now, but I am also interested in attending grad school probably at some point down the line. My experience with Civic Spark has been really helpful because I've been able to, at least at SCAG, I've been able to study extremely, a, a very large amount of sustainability topics which has helped me see, you know, what things I'm really interested in because I've had exposure to so many different topics in sustainability. but. I, it's also been helpful in helping me see what kind of organization I would want to work in, whether that's at a regional scale, local scale, or in the private sector. And so that that's been helpful also to determine what kind of work I would like to do moving forward. Not that I've made a determination, but I definitely <laughs> see different options at this point.
5: And um, yeah, I am also job searching <laughs> as the other two are. <laughs> And I'm also considering grad school, but student loans are (laughs) still paying my undergrad loans off. So that might be in the distant future at this point. But I'm definitely looking to stay in Southern California or California in general, just because I know the sustainability problems here very well. And I feel like I could definitely provide a lot of help in that area. And um, I guess in terms of, what Civic Spark has taught me so far, um, or what I'll wa- hopefully walk away with is I have never worked at, at the regional government level. I've worked in mostly local government and I gotta say I actually do like it a little better <laughs> for various reasons. But I, I'm also this is also my first job where I'm working 40 hours a week. It's not just an internship. So I have had more responsibility um with this job. So um, which is probably why I like it better. And I'm also I'm I really honestly don't <laughs> know if I want to work for regional government or local government or a private sector or nonprofit. I think I'm going to keep my options as open as possible and really go into any type of sustainability like field, where, whether it's renewable energy or water conservation. Um, I'm trying to keep my options open <laughs> as as I need to in my early twenties. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I think one of the exciting things for all of us is that we've had so much autonomy on this project. We've really been, you know, given free, pretty free reign. So um, I think we're all going to walk away with some really awesome skills just from that.
3: So, what advice would you give to anyone who's interested in becoming a Civic Spark Fellow? What would you tell them?
4: I have said the same to some interns here that I've met at SCAG who are interested in applying. I think it it completely opens the door. For people who have not started grad school, most of the the other people we work with here, at least that are interns, have been in their grad program several years, and we're doing full time work, you know, in the same departments. And I think that opportunity and experience is definitely invaluable for getting jobs in this field that we're interested in right out the gate from undergrad. So I would definitely tell anybody who had the opportunity to go for it.
5: Uh, I guess definitely a big piece of advice I would give is definitely show a genuine enthusiasm for like working in the environmental field when, when you're applying, when you're interviewing, because, um, all the people in the program are very enthusiastic. Like when we got to meet that everyone at our orientation and mid-year gatherings, everyone was just had such a great mindset and outlook on, on the program and, and just, yeah, very passionate. And, I think that's definitely an important thing to show in your interview because I mean they only choose 48 fellows and I'm not sure how many applicants but there were was a pretty big decent amount from what I've
3: from what I've heard so uh yeah that would be my advice. So where can people find out more about the Civic Spark program?
4: So if anyone is interested, they can go to civicspark.lgc.org. Civicspark is C-I-V-I-C-S-P-A-R-K.lgc.org.
1: Or go to the Facebook page.
3: Our next three questions are what we call lightning round questions. So we're going to ask you the question we want you to answer um, succinctly with the first thing that pops into your head. First question, if you could implement change or pick one leverage point that would lead to smarter, more sustainable and more equitable communities, what would it be?
1: Put a price on carbon. Transition out of
5: car culture. Make private and public institutions more responsible for climate change.
0: Here, here. What one action could our listeners, just say the average citizen, somebody who's not working in government, what could the average citizen do to help build a more equitable and sustainable future? What one action? Five-minute showers.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I think it comes down to, I think it comes down to first, uh, a lot of personal awareness and personal shifts. I would say taking
1: the
3: bus. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: One action, I guess, would be eating less meat, but really just being conscious of all of your impacts on the environment and thinking about that when making decisions.
3: I agree. <laughs> and if you're successful in the work that you're doing, what will Southern California communities look like 30 years from now?
1: They'll be healthier, full of greenery. <laughs> I would say that
4: people would be prioritized, which means that the air would be cleaner. There'd be you know, fewer heat-related illnesses, kids could access parks, Um, people can walk and bike safely, and public transportation would be
1: widespread. But not only people, but also the natural environment would be naturalized as well.
4: There will still be natural open spaces.
5: (laughs) Yeah. Ideally, we'd have a society that is culturally more aware of their impacts on the environment, and in that, there'll be greater stewards to it
3: very inspiring. Thank you all, Mackenzie, Mike, and Bree. Thank you so very much for sharing your experience with us and with our audience. And thank you all for listening. We look forward to you joining us next time on Infinite Earth Radio.
2: Infinite Earth Radio is a podcast produced by Skio in association with the local government commission. To learn more about Skio, the local government commission, Infinite Earth Radio guests or how you can make a difference in your community, visit our website at InfiniteEarthRadio.com or join us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Infinite Earth Radio, and Twitter by following at Infinite Earth Radio.